Why, good morning. Uh, I have to make a bit of a confession today. Um, a couple of weeks ago, about a month ago, uh, I was giving my wife Jamie some grief uh, about trying to skip through uh, the seasons as she was putting up fall decorations when it was still summer, and summer was my favorite season. Well, this past week, uh, I was finishing up a bookshelf. I just recently got into woodworking. I built an end table. I just finished uh, the bookshelf uh, this week, uh, which was exciting. Um, And as I was finishing up uh, the bookshelf, putting the stain and the polyurethane on to finish it, I decided I need some music to listen to uh, while I finished my bookshelf. And if you haven't guessed already, I listened to Christmas music this past week. Not once, but twice. (laughs) Twice I listened to Christmas music and just about a month ago, giving my wife grief for trying to skip by, skip by summer. Now here I am uh, skipping by fall. So call me a hypocrite, call me whatever you am. Uh, I certainly was a hypocrite this past week as I was skipping through fall. I was kind of re- in the holly jolly mood this past week because um, I, I, love, I love Christmas time. But today uh, we're finishing up uh, the series uh, that we started a couple weeks ago. Um, entitled, How to Receive Eternal Life. That's a big question to ask, and that's an important question to know, is how do we receive eternal life? And two weeks ago, we took a look at the importance of grace. And it's by grace and grace alone that each and every one of us are saved. We, we read in, in Paul's letters and Romans, we read it was the free gift of God. It, it's, it's a gift of God. Eternal life is a gift from God and it's free to us. It's, by, it's through God's grace. Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace you have been saved. It cannot be put any more clear, for it is by grace we have been saved. Nothing more, nothing less. We are saved by grace. And and grace, again, is undeserved favor. It's when you receive something that you don't deserve. And we read in Romans 3.23 that everybody has sinned. And we read in just three chapters later, the same verse, Romans 6.23, we read that the wages of that sin is death. And so we all have sin, and, and the wages, what we deserve for that sin is death. But only by the grace of God, when we receive something we do not deserve, we may receive eternal life. We, we just got done singing, oh, come to the altar, uh, uh, some of the, the lyrics there. Uh, it was paid by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It, it was through the sacrifice nearly 2,000 years ago that paid our wages today, our debt today, for our sin. Jesus paid it all on the cross nearly 2,000 years ago. It's something we do not deserve because, to be honest, we deserve death. But God has given us eternal life, and it's free. It's a free gift to each and every one of us. It's only by the grace of God that we may inherit eternal life. Now, when Christmas time rolls along, though, uh, you often uh, give presents to people. You give gifts to people. Um, Christmas time, I, I would often, uh, or every year, I'd get presents from uh, my parents. But each year, I had to make an important decision when I was presented with that free gift. Because, I mean, I didn't pay for the gift at all. But each year, I had to decide one of two things. I could either say, thank you, Mom and Dad, and I can accept that gift. Or two, I can choose to reject that gift. And now, that's quite the foolish thing to do, to reject a free gift. But But the same thing applies when we talk about the free gift of eternal life. 
Each and every single one of us needs to make that decision for ourselves. if one, we're going to accept that free gift, or two, if we are going to reject that free gift of eternal life. And that's what we talked about last week. And we took a look at the importance of faith because faith is the instrument in which we accept the free gift of God. Faith is the instrument in how we receive the free gift of eternal life. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And we took a look at uh, Romans chapter 3 last week and we saw Paul explicitly state that we receive the forgiveness of Jesus. We, re- we receive the sacrifice on the cross. We receive it by faith. We receive this free gift by faith. That's how you accept, that's how you receive the free gift of eternal life, is if you put your faith in God and his son, Jesus Christ. And so we saw the importance of faith because that faith that you have, that's you deciding that you want that free gift of eternal life. And if you don't have that faith in God and his son, Jesus Christ, then you will not receive that free gift of eternal life. And unfortunately, Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount that most people will reject the free gift of God, which is eternal life. And that is such a shame because it's free to us. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid the price nearly 2,000 years ago. And unfortunately, Jesus informs us that most people in the world going to have the foolishness to reject the free gift of eternal life. And I don't want any one of us here to, to reject that free gift of eternal life in God's coming kingdom. I want to spend eternity with you all and God and his son Jesus and, and God's coming kingdom when, when Jesus comes back down to this earth to establish his father's kingdom. We have a great reward in hand for us and, and God is giving that to us for free, but we just have to make the decision of whether or not we want to accept it. And we accept it by faith. We receive the free gift of God by faith. And so I may be wondering, what more do we have to talk about if God has given that free gift to each and every one of us and we receive it by faith? Well, today uh, we have to talk about the importance of works. The importance of works. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Works, uh, when, when we talk about works, uh, we often use uh, that uh, word in Christian circles again. Um, when we're talking about works, it's just simply what we do. It's basically the, the actions that we commit on, on, a, on a daily basis. And we're talking about the works today. We're talking about the stuff you do. You know, you brush your teeth, you go to bed, uh, you come to church, you drove to church this morning. That's your works. That's what you do. And we're going to be talking about this morning the importance of our works. Now, in nearly every religion in the world has a huge focus on our works. And nearly every religion in the world, people are supposedly receive their salvation by their works. And most every religion in the world, people receive their salvation by what they do. You know, it's kind of like on a scale. You've seen those scales. Um, if, if their good works outweigh their negative works, then basically they receive salvation. And that's how most religions um, in this world work. Now, contrary to most religions, that is not how Christianity works. We are not saved, you know, if we have more good works than than our bad works. If our good works outweigh our bad works, that's not how we're saved. We're saved by God's grace, and we accept God's grace through faith. And this is one of the many reasons and why Christianity sticks out from the many other religions um, in this world. Um, but Christianity is truly one of a kind. But even though we aren't saved by our works, and Christianity, works still play an important part. 
Now, I will say beforehand that a lot of Christians will overemphasize the importance of works, but also, on the other hand, some Christians will belittle the importance of works. And we need to find a healthy balance in this equation of how do we receive eternal life and where works comes into play. So we need to find that healthy balance, just as you do in most things in life. You know, it's not bad to have a, a Twinkie every week, um, but, you know, it could probably be bad if you had five Twinkies every day. You need, you need to find a healthy balance in life, and today we're going to find a healthy balance and, and seeing where this idea of works fit into the equation of, of our Christian circle and Christianity, and especially regarding the question of how do we receive eternal life. So we're going to find that healthy balance this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. And again, this is uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And again, uh, we've covered this uh, passage the past two weeks um, as it's uh, crucial uh, when, we an- when we try to answer the question, how do we receive eternal life? This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. And in chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved. There, there we had that reminder again. It's by grace we have been saved. Not by our faith, not by our works that we're saved, but it's by grace. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. There we see that it's not a result of works. Our salvation is not a result of works so that no one may boast. And so again, we, we see the reminder that we're saved by grace through faith. We're saved by grace and we, we receive that grace through faith. But then Paul goes on to write that it's not our own doing. It's not by our own works. It's not by our own deeds by which we are saved. It's only by the grace of God in which we are saved. So so there kind of gives us uh, the idea that we don't don't want to overemphasize the importance of works. Because again, we aren't saved by our own works. By no means possible. If we were saved by our works, every single person would have a scary future, a scary outcome come, come judgment day. But thank goodness, it's not, our salvation isn't resting on our works. Rather, it's resting on the grace of God. And that grace has been extended to each and every one of us. And again, we accept that grace through our faith. But again, works still do play an important part. And that's where we go, where we're going to head and take a look at the book of James. Some of you guys may have already been thinking about the book of James, um, as James often uh, gets quoted when talking about works. So again, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to James chapter 2, and if not, uh, the verses will be projected behind me. So here, we see here in the book of James, we're about to see uh, James kind of in a lot of people's opinions, James kind of seems to contradict what Paul was saying in Ephesians chapter 2. For Paul says, it's not by our own works that we're saved. But upon first glance, upon our first look, it can kind of seem like James is contradicting him. As James, as James writes in, in chapter 2, starting in verse 14, he says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Here, here James clearly states that faith by itself, faith without works, is dead. 
And he continues, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I'll show you my faith uh, by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So here, here James says, oh, you guys have faith in God. You guys believe in God. That's good. Well, guess what? Even the demons believe that God is one, that Yahweh is Lord of all. So, so don't get ahead of yourselves there for faith without works, here James says, is dead. And so some of us can, can kind of question, well, what is James talking about here? Is James saying that we're saved by faith, or is he saying that we're saved by works, or is he saying that we're saved by some combination of the two? No, James is not suggesting that we're saved by our faith and by our works. But what I want to take a look at, again, is in verse 14, the, the context of what all James is writing here. He says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him. So the question we're taking a look at, what what James is talking about here is what type of faith saves us? And and he kind of gives us two different types of faith. One type of faith is faith with works. But the other type of faith that that James is talking about here is faith without works. So James isn't questioning, does does our work save us? No, he's not suggesting that. But he's just asking what type of faith saves us. Because again, we can, jump, we can jump to that conclusion that faith saves us because the only thing on the line is if we choose to receive that free gift of grace. So, so although we're we kind of skipping a beat there, skipping a line there, uh, we're, we're really saying that we're saved by faith because we're accepting the free gift of God, which is eternal life through the grace of God. But Paul, or not, not Paul, I, when I was getting ready for this sermon, I kept on mixing Paul and James. When we're in the book of James, we're talking about James, whether or not I say Paul or James. I'll keep you guys on, on uh, keep you guys thinking. But James here says that faith without works is dead. And James here is suggesting that when we have a faith without works, that faith is dead and that dead faith cannot save us. A faith without works cannot save us. When we're talking about faith being the instrument by which we accept God's free gift of eternal life, a living and active faith is good. And the living and active faith is required to receive God's free gift of eternal life. But here James is suggesting that a dead faith is not good enough to receive the free gift of eternal life. So a dead faith cannot save us. And what is a dead faith? A dead faith is a faith without works. (laughs) And James uses, James, not Paul, James uses the example of the demons. He says, even the demons believe. Even the demons have faith in God. They, They know that God exists, these demons what credit to us then if, if we believe in God? But the credit comes to us if our works back up our actions, if our works complete our actions, or if our works complete our faith. If our faith is completed by works, if it's an active and living faith, then that faith is required for us to receive God's free gift of eternal life. For a faith without works is dead. And we cannot receive God's free gift of eternal life with a dead faith. It's impossible. It is not possible. And again, a dead faith is a faith without works. Now that's where we run into um, a lot of trouble. Um, As I see in my experience, a lot of people, especially here in America, 
America generally, everybody in America generally believes in God. I mean, not everybody, but the, the percentage of people who believe in God is staggering. America, for the most part, believes that, yeah, there is a God. And most Americans believe that, yeah, the, the God of the universe is the God of the Bible, Yahweh. And, and, and we're pretty good at that. You know, our founding fathers kind of founded our nation on the belief of God. And that's great. But the problem comes into here that a lot of people in America have a dead faith, a faith that is not backed up by their works. A lot of people claim that they believe in God, but they don't make reading God's word a priority. A lot of people claim they believe in God, but they don't make praying to God a priority. A lot of people claim that they believe in God, but they don't make church a priority. A lot of, pe- a lot of people claim that they believe in God, but they don't make giving to the poor and to the needy and to the church a priority. A lot of people claim that they believe in God, but they don't make sharing God's message a priority. A lot of people claim they believe in God, but they don't make worshiping God a priority. And we have all these people claiming that they have faith. And I don't doubt it. I don't doubt that they believe in God. It's it's not me to doubt that. But a lot of people with this faith, with the belief that they have in God and his son, Jesus Christ, it's dead. It's dead because their works are not backing up their faith. It's not the works that save us. We're talking about a type of faith that saves us. And a living faith saves us. But a dead faith does not save us. Again, so I see so many people in this world claim that they have this faith and belief in God, which is great. That, that, that's an awesome first step. But guess what? Even the demons believe that God is one. Even the demons believe that Yahweh is the Lord of all. So we can't stop there. We can't stop there. We, we must have our actions back up our faith. You know, James continues it. If we continue in verse 20, James uses the example of Abraham, as, as we'll see, as what uh, a faith uh, with or without works looks like. So in James chapter 2, verse 20, he continues, Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see, that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. So here again, uh, James uses the example of Abraham. And he's talking about, if you remember from uh, way back in, in the book of Genesis, uh, when Abraham went to offer his son Isaac um, on the altar. And if we don't remember that story, uh, God made a covenant with Abraham. And God told Abraham that if you leave all that you have in this land, Ur, and you come to the land that I will show you, and Abraham's an old man at this time, like 90 years old. Then he says, then I will make your nation great. And your descendants will be as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore and the dust of the earth. In other words, your descendants will be countless. You won't be able to count how many descendants you have. For you'll become a great nation. That, that was a covenant that God made with Abraham. Ba- basically a contract or agreement that God made with Abraham. Where if Abraham was to go to the promised land, the land that God was to show him, then God would make Abraham 
into a mighty nation, and his descendants would be as numerous as the stars of the sky. And, and anybody who was to bless Abraham would be blessed. And anybody who was to curse Abraham would be cursed. And so God made that covenant with Abraham. Well, the thing is, for a while, Abraham and his wife Sarah, they were having troubles uh, having kids. And so one day, you know, that's kind of a struggle when God tells you that your descendants are gonna, your descendants are going to be numerous. And so I'm sure they were concerned about this. And so one day, uh, Sarah, his wife, uh, suggested uh, for Abraham to go sleep uh, with her servant. And so they did that, and uh, they uh, produced a baby, um, and that's Ishmael, where, where the Muslim nation actually um, descends from. But that wasn't good enough. God wanted a child with Abraham and, and Sarah. That, Ishmael was kind of seen as an illegitimate child at times. Um, and so God wanted uh, the, this covenant to be descended through, through Abraham and Sarah. And so Abraham and Sarah, uh, they, they went another round, and uh, they, they gave birth to a son, Isaac. Isaac was their only son. And they're in like their 90s. Abraham was like 100, and Sarah was like 90 years old. They are old people, and they're not supposed to be having babies. It was a miracle that Sarah conceived Isaac. It's nothing short of a miracle. But then shortly after God blessed Abraham, and, blessed Abraham and Sarah with Isaac. God was talking with Abraham, and God told Abraham to sacrifice your one and only son, Isaac. And now things aren't adding up here because God is telling Abraham, he assured Abraham beforehand that his covenant, his agreement, was to descend through his son Isaac. And now all of a sudden, God is telling Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. And things are just not adding up here. But God, or Abraham had faith in God. The book of Hebrews talks about that Abraham had faith. He's, Abraham suggested that even God could raise his son Isaac from the dead. And so Abraham, he went to go sacrifice his son Isaac because Abraham had faith in God. Now, that faith in God would have been useless. It would have been useless if Abraham did actually not go to sacrifice his son Isaac. That would have been a dead faith. I mean, what kind of sign would that be? He's like, oh, you know what, God? I th- I, I'm pretty sure you would deliver me, but just to be safe, I'm, I'm going to choose to disobey you and, and not sacrifice my son Isaac because I like him, actually. No, Abraham had faith in God. And his works completed his faith. James says that in verse 22, you see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And so rather than than just having a belief in God and not having his actions support his belief, Abraham actually went to go offer his son up, Isaac, as an offering. What, what an emotional time that would have been as, as they're climbing this mountain, they were to, to offer him up on a mountain, and, and his son Isaac asked, Dad, I, you know, I see the wood and stuff, but what about the offering? And Abraham says, God will provide. Man, that, that must have been so difficult as a father um, to, to take that journey with, with his son. Um, but Abraham had faith in God, and Abraham's faith was completed by his works. 
His faith in God went along with, it was completed by his works because he actually went to go offer up his son Isaac as an offering. Now, many of us know the end of the story that God provided a ram for an offering, so Abraham didn't even have to offer his son. But Abraham was about to do it. He had his knife in his hand, and he was ready to offer his son up Isaac to God because he had faith in God. And that faith that he had was only completed by his work. It was completed as he took that that couple-day journey up the mountain, and it was completed as he was there ready to sacrifice his son Isaac on the altar. And so Abraham's faith was completed by his works. And, And throughout James, we see the importance of works. We see that faith without works is dead, and you cannot receive the free gift of eternal life with a dead faith. You need a living and active faith to accept, to receive that free gift of eternal life. But again, the the works isn't what saves us. Again, when we go to verse 14, uh, James asks, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? We're talking about a type of faith that saves us. And again, a dead faith, a faith without works, does not save us. But a living and active faith is what saves us, a faith that is completed and active along with our works. And so works are important. But again, if we remember from the book of Ephesians, if you have your Bibles, you can flip back to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul, because again, a lot of people kind of see that, that Paul and James are kind of contradicting each other, but they're not. Because again, James isn't saying that we're saved by works, but he's talking about what type of faith saves us. And he says that a living and active faith saves us, a faith that is backed up with and a faith that is completed by works. And Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace ye have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Now a lot of people, when they quote Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, they stop there. But, but 10 is a great verse as well, and it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, So here Paul is saying that, no, we aren't saved by our works. And James isn't contradicting what what Paul is saying here because, again, James is talking about what type of faith saves us. But Paul continues and says, we are created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. We are created to do good works. I mean, that's incredible. This this is the healthy balance that that we need to realize about works. We aren't saved by our works. And thank goodness, because if we were saved by our works, None of us would be saved. None of us. Not not a single person would be saved. Thank goodness it rests on the grace of God. But again, we, we accept that grace through our faith, and that faith is only alive and active if it's completed by our works. And Paul says simply that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. You were created to do good works. And so that faith that we have is completed by our works. And you must be living out your faith in your life. It must be a living and active faith backed up by your works. If you truly have a deep faith and a deep belief in God and His Son, Jesus Christ, then your actions will support that belief. It will support that faith that you have. Your works will prove that you have faith. Our works are a validation of the saving faith that we have. 
Now, there's a man, uh, Duncan Heaster, who is uh, from uh, the Christadelphian church, and he does most of his ministry outside of America, um, but he, he spends a, a tiny bit of time here in America, and he pointed out that it is much harder to evangelize here in America than, than most any other country. And, and the reason he provides is because most people are satisfied with what they have. You know, because most people like you and I, we, we have a job and that job provides uh, money for us. And with that money, we, we, we can provide a shelter over our heads. We, we, we can buy food with that. Many of us are surrounded by our families. We're surrounded by our friends. Many, most people in America are satisfied with what they have. And because of this, people are not required as much to live out their faith. Here in America, whereas you go in Africa... These, these, these people, these children, um, my, my brother-in-law went on a mission trip to Africa and hearing his, his stories is awesome. And he took a, a, a few videos of the people there and just the joy that they have. Because these people in other countries, they don't have much else to put their hope in. They don't have much else to put their faith in. Whereas here in America, a lot of people put their faith in their retirement savings, their 401k. They put their faith in their family. They put their faith in their friends. They put their faith in their house. And here in America, we're not putting our faith and God, we're not living out our faith in God. And, and so I think Duncan Heaster has a strong point here where it's much harder to evangelize here in America because people are satisfied with what, with what they have and they aren't required to live their life out in faith. But we know that it's required to have an active and living faith to receive God's free gift of eternal life. Church of America, in my eyes, is filled with people with a dead faith, a faith that will not save them in the end. And, and Jesus kind of supports this in his words as he's talking about the, the narrow road and the narrow gate that leads to life, but the broad, but the broad road and, and the wide gate that leads to destruction. And most people are going to take that broad road to destruction because I believe that most people, at least here in America, most people, they, yeah, they, they have that faith, they have that belief in God, but it's a dead faith. It's a faith that is not completed. It's a faith that is not backed up with their works. And so if you have a belief in God, if you have a faith in God, let it be completed by your works. Let your faith compel you to pray to God on a daily basis. Let, let your faith in God compel you to read God's word on a daily basis. Let, let, let your faith in God compel you to make church a priority. Let your faith in God compel you to, to share this gospel message, this good news that 2,000 years ago, a man, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for our sins. Let your faith compel you to share that good message that we have. Share it to your friends and, fairy, friends and family. Let this faith that we have compel you to have a living and active faith, a faith that is completed by our works. For if we don't live out our faith through our actions, then our faith is dead. And, and that's not good enough. What good is it? What good is it, James asked, is a faith without works? And I'll tell you, it's no good. It's no good at all. For even the demons believe that God's one. Even the demons believe in Yahweh, the God of heaven and earth. And so as we conclude this series uh, today, uh, the, asking the important question, how do we receive eternal life? I hope that you see, um, and it may be confusing and complex at first, but it's really, it's simple. It's simple. 
First and foremost, we are saved by God's grace. It is a free gift to us. The wages of our sin is death. But guess what? Jesus paid the price on that cross. God paid the price as he sent his son, as God watched his son suffer and die on the cross. That price has been paid. And it's a free gift to each and every one each and every one of us only by the grace of God. And two, we accept that free gift. We, we receive that free gift of grace by faith. And again, what we talked about today, our faith is only active and living if it's completed by our works. So we're saved by grace, we receive that through faith, and our faith is only alive and well if it's completed by our works. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for this day. Father, I thank you for uh, the free gift of eternal life. Father, I just thank you that that free gift has been extended to each and every one of us. And Father, my prayer this morning is that each and every one of us may have an active and living faith, a faith that receives that free gift of eternal life. Father, I pray that everyone listening to this online and everybody here in your church can, can receive that free gift of eternal life that we can, can partake in fellowship in your coming kingdom where everything wrong with this world will be made right. And Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this church. And again, I thank you for the free gift of eternal life. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.